All right. Welcome back to Hobby Time. Thanks for listening. I'm Keith. You can find me at DirkNashTee underscore pod on Instagram. And this is one of my favorite episodes to do. I get to spend a lot of time looking at data and doing player comparisons and stuff like that, which I, I really enjoy doing. It's it's half of the fun for me as it relates to cards and stuff. I will note, though, uh, today, April 12th. Today is April 12th. I recorded this back on April 3rd. So some of this information is a, a little bit out of date, but I mean, it's full. It's basically full season information. I'm only missing the last couple of games. So I, I don't have any concerns with the, the stats or the data not really being right. At the end, though, I do compare card prices, and I, I will be doing this again for wings and bigs, and I'll come back and, and put all of their rookie prices together, especially with some of the bigger releases coming out next few weeks to, to months. Just a quick note, though, I kind of go back and forth on some of my tenses, right? It's like play or played. Um, and in every case, I'm looking at a current year rookie compared to rookie season stats of other players so hopefully that that helps kind of clear some of this up and like i said i really enjoyed putting this together i hope you enjoy it thank you very much all right so last year i recorded an episode titled rookie retrospective looking at guards and so i want to do the same thing again looking at the 2022-23 class the way I approached this was I took the, a bunch of statistics and, and analytics from each player's rookie season and compared it to other historical rookies. The first time I did it, it was only, I think I looked at like all-stars and all-NBA players. I also added in a few busts this year just to see if, the, if I could find any similarities between current rookies and previous rookies that maybe didn't work out that well. Yeah, so today I'm focusing on the guards. There's a, a few comments off the top. For instance, Benedict Matherin, right, the number six pick, he's been pretty good all season, but I have him classified as more of a wing than a guard. So his comps will be in a, in a future episode. And part of the classification is feel. Part of it is, you know, who they're playing with. And part of it is kind of like where, what they're classified as to, to begin with. And, you know, wing versus guard, like maybe there's not much difference in them. But for the purposes of today, I don't have Benedict Matherin in there. Johnny Davis, right? The number 10 overall pick is he's barely been able to find the court. I didn't do any comparisons for him either, but I, I can't imagine that it, it bodes very well for the future if, you know, the 10th pick can't can't really get on the court on a mediocre team, uh, which brings me to another. Like I, I was trying to look at players who played around at least a thousand minutes, give or take. Most of most of these guys like cleared that very easily, but and the season's not over still. Um, but again, most mostly based on feel. And then number 12 pick, Jalen Williams. Similar to Matherin in that he probably plays more of a three than a two, especially in the OKC offense, though I think of him as more of a two than a three. Like Regardless, I, I did do some comps for him at the guard level because it, it seemed pretty interesting, uh, and I came up with some surprising r results, I guess. To start, we got Jaden Ivey, right? The fifth pick, high athleticism, powerful guard. One player he compares very closely to is actually his teammate and the former number one overall pick Cade Cunningham so not talking about their play style their body build or whatever but just their statistical profile uh, and and you'll start hearing some of the stats I was looking at um, as I get through it but it's more than you know like points per game and stuff like that uh, another similar rookie profile that I that I cut for this analysis was Michael Carter Williams um, again totally different styles of play but um you know, I, I think I ended up with an upside and a downside comparison that, that are pretty good. So two comparison players. Uh, the first is number four overall pick and former NBA, NBA MVP, Russell Wilson. 
And the second is last year's number five overall pick, uh, exactly the same as Jaden Ivey, Jalen Suggs. So I was looking at, you know, like I said, looking at lots of different stats, but doing it across kind of three major sort of categories, right? One is creation. When I'm looking at creation, I'm talking, I'm thinking like assist per 36, assist rate, usage rate, turnover rate, uh, and then the percentage of twos and threes that these players are uh, okay, the percentage of their twos and threes that are assisted. So for players with a lower assisted two-point rate, that means they're scoring off the dribble more and probably means that they have the ball in their hands and initiating offense and stuff like that. I, I kind of included that in this group of creation. And then also scoring. Of course, scoring is points and points per 36, and tr- but also things like true shooting percentage Again, usage rate, free throw rate, three-point attempt rate, and then attempt rates from all, all across the floor. So within three feet, basically at the rim, layups and dunks. From three to 10 feet, this is in the in the lane, but not right at the rim, essentially outside the charge circle. And finally, three-point attempt rate, and as well as their percentages from each of those areas in terms of field goal percent. So looking at the creation for Jaden Ivey, right, all of the rookies that I've got, uh, Again, I'm looking at only at their rookie season. So Russell Westbrook, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Suggs, all of them were kind of engines of their offense, right? Both Each with both assist and usage rates between 25 and 27 or so percent. So relatively high assist rates, relatively high usage rates, like guys that have the ball in their hands and are looking to score and setting up teammates. It's not quite Trey levels or CP3 levels or Luka level from, a, from an assist perspective, but they're right around six assists per 36 minutes as of rookies. All of them were also relatively high turnover players too. And again, that doesn't, it's not really that surprising. These guys have the ball in their hands. They're, they're more likely to have more turnovers than uh, someone who's like, say, just a catch and shoot guard, for instance. From a scoring perspective, one of the things that sets these three apart from most guards in my sample, and I have nearly 70, I think it was 77 guards in my, in my sample over the last I don't know, 10 to 15 years or so, is that they get nearly half of their shots in the paint. So uh, that's within three feet and then from three to 10 feet. So nearly half of their shots are in the paint. So they're attacking the basket and doing it off the dribble at a high rate. None of these guys, Westbrook, Suggs, or Ivy, finish at a very particularly high rate at the rim. In fact, Jalen Suggs was actually better than uh, Jaden Ivy and Russell Westbrook at finishing at the rim in terms of, so this is field goal percentage within three feet. Uh, in fact, all of them had relative true shooting below league average and take threes at a below average rate. So in this day and age where a lot of guards are taking a lot of threes off the dribble, all three, Westbrook, Ivy, and Suggs, were taking taking threes at a below average rate. It's worth noting, though, that unlike Suggs or Westbrook, Jaden Ivy actually knocks them down at like a 33% rate, which, you know, again, not that great, but compared to 27% for Russ and 21% for Jalen Suggs, you know, it's fine, but it's going to need to improve. And also, they all have free throw rates, uh, free throw attempt rates, well above league average. So it's pretty rare for rookies to excel in drawing fouls. It's often a skill set that evolves over time, but all three of those guys had it in their rookie year. I find the third kind of grouping that I I looked at was kind of defense and rebounding. Defense is pretty difficult to do with uh, some of the metrics that are available, you know, to me, like more public metrics just to see, you know, what kind of impact are they having on their team in other ways. So one of the things where Jaden Ivey has been less impactful compared to Westbrook and Suggs is on the defensive end. Like both Suggs and Westbrook were over a 2% steal rate, which is pretty high towards, towards the top of my sample. 
Jalen Suggs was actually a 1.3% block rate, which for a, a guard is pretty good. Jaden Ivey is towards the bottom of my sample in both steal and block rate. Suggs and Ivey were around four and a half rebounds per 36. Westbrook a little bit more, you know, five and a half per, per 36. But in general, in terms of their shot profiles, where they're getting their shots, how well they're making them, how, how much of the ball they have and how they're finding their teammates, it seems kind of like the upside, at least based on the rookie season, right, is somewhere around Russell Westbrook and the downside potentially is, you know, maybe in the, the Jalen Suggs area. I, I personally expect probably a little bit more for Jaden Ivey. It seems like he's shown shown a little bit more than Suggs did. Uh, but if you're if you're looking for you know what's the potential downside, I think I think it might be that. Moving on to the number seven pick this year, six foot six, two hundred pound Shaden Sharp. So when I think of Shaden Sharp, I think of like crazy athleticism, good size, score first guard. There's a lot about him that is unique, even when looking at you know the other seventy six. Uh, rookie guard seasons that I had in my sample. I did find a high-end comp that is pretty close with one major difference and one minor difference, uh, as well as another, I, I don't know if you would call it downside per se, but I guess maybe it's kind of downside uh, comp as well. But again, some differences in each and I'll, I'll talk through those. So Shaden Sharp was the number seven overall pick 13 years ago. Another six foot six high-flying guard was drafted number nine. I'm talking about six-time all-star and current Chicago Bull DeMar DeRozan. So each played around 21 minutes per game as a rookie, scored 14, 15 points per 36, a little less than five rebounds, and barely more than one assist per 36. That's one of the things that set these guys apart from most of the rest is their assist percentage and assist per 36 rates are extremely low. All right, so looking in the creation side of things, I've already teased it a little bit. Like I currently have 77 players in my, in my sample that are classified as guards. Shaden Sharp is 74th. Out of 77 in assist rate, DeMar DeRozan was 77th out of 77 in assist rate, so dead last. Uh, you know, we're talking about the definition of score first guards. They're not looking to pass. They're looking to get their shot. When, when they get the ball, they're looking to get their shot off. Both are also towards the top uh, of both two-pointers and three-pointers assisted, as in meaning they're not creating off the dribble that much. Obviously, this has changed for DeMar DeRozan as he's, you know, over the time he became more of a mid-range ISO Maven, but as a rookie, he was heavily dependent on his teammates creating for him, similar to Shaden Sharp this year. Not surprisingly, though, they all have relatively low turnover rates, so they're not dribbling much. They're not also not passing very much, so all that makes sense. From a scoring perspective, right, there are some ways that they're the same and some ways that they're very different. Let's start with the stuff that's the same, right? So most rookie guards are not efficient scorers. Uh, DeMar DeRozan and Shaden Sharp are both we're both about league average efficiency with true shootings percentages over 55%. Most are not efficient scorers. They're about league average. So that's actually a, a, that's a positive check mark in their, in their box. As a rookie, DeMar DeRozan took almost 45% of his shots at the rim, right? So that's a ton. Shaden Sharp is around 30% of his shots at the rim, which in today's NBA is actually pretty high, especially for guards. They were both highly efficient at finishing at the rim compared to most rookies, as well as efficient from flo floater range. There's two major differences between Shaden Sharp and DeMar DeRozan. One, for a player who takes 30% of his shots at the rim, Sharp's free throw rate is extremely low, nearly, nearly half of league average. So he gets to the rim a lot, but very rarely gets to the line where DeMar DeRozan was significantly above league average uh, in terms of getting to the line. I don't know if that's the way that the game was called back then uh, or is called now. Maybe Sharp is getting so high that <laughs> no one wants to, to challenge him uh, and never gets fouls. I, I don't know. 
All I know is it's a huge difference. And from what I see, it looks like Shaden Sharp never gets to the free throw line. The other is DeMar DeRozan never took threes as a rookie. Shaden Sharp takes 43% of his shots from three-point range. So obviously that also may explain some of the free throw rate thing as well. Generally, there's a negative correlation between drawing fouls and shooting threes. I think we see that here as well. Players that don't shoot threes draw more fouls. Players that shoot a lot of threes draw fewer fouls. Looking at defensive stuff, steal rate, block rate, rebound rate, all, it's all essentially the same for each and generally kind of unremarkable, right? So not great, not terrible, just kind of in the in the mid-range. Another player that I was uh, looking at and has almost the, an identical shot profile, right? So in terms of percentage of shots taken at the rim, per, percentage of shots taken from floater range, right? So in, in the paint, but outside of the, the charge circle. And percentage of shots taken from three is Josh Akogi. So also more similarities with him in terms of low assist guy, rebounds kind of in the middle, turnovers pretty low, usage kind of in the middle. Uh, the big difference, of course, is Shaden Sharp is way, way, way more efficient in terms of scoring. Uh, where he he makes 36% of his threes, and Josh Akogi was down at like 28%. Akogi was also a putrid 18% from floater range, and Sharp is about 42%. So really high percentages for Shaden Sharp. Yeah, so basically my my comp is essentially DeMar DeRozan with a three-pointer, right? Yeah, it looks, uh, looks really extremely similar uh, between the two. So I, I like that one a lot. The next I've got is uh, Dyson Daniels. So right after Shaden Sharp was picked, the Pelicans selected Dyson Daniels, number eight. I didn't go as in-depth with him because, you know, it's just not that great looking. So in my pool of 77 guards, Dyson Daniel has the lowest usage rate of everyone. So of everyone in my, my sample, the Dyson Daniels has the absolute lowest usage rate. He is a decent rebounder. So, you know, he's six foot eight. That might help a little bit with that. He has not been a big time assist man and he hasn't really been efficient in any way. So he does create steals and blocks at a pretty decent rate, especially for a guard. And I bet you can guess the other guys who kind of popped out the most as a comparison, right? So we're talking like your Dante Exum, Chris Dunn, Frank Nilakina, Teo, Maladon, Killian Hayes, this group. So of those guys, like Chris Dunn, for instance, was elite, elite, elite at getting steals and blocks for a guard. Killian Hayes was a solid distributor. I don't know. Maybe he can be the first of these guys to be kind of like a regular impact player. But based on what I'm seeing right now, like I'm, I wouldn't really bet on it. Maybe that's too harsh. Impact player. It looks like he can probably do some things on the defensive end. Maybe he can get his assist rates up. Like maybe that's a little harsh. But in terms of being like a superstar or the, you know, something that you might expect, especially when comparing him to say Shaden Sharp, I think his uh, his outlook is far far more grim. All right, so the next guy I wanted to look at was Jalen Williams, right? With the 12th pick of the draft, uh, the Thunder selected the only guard in this class who is positive BPM on the season. He has the number one highest true shooting percentage of all 77 players in my sample. Keep in mind, though, the game itself is like just in general more efficient now than it was even three years ago or five years ago. So a lot of recent players have pretty high true shooting percentages compared to their peers from, from the past. That's why I like adjusted true shooting, which essentially compares the player's true shooting to the true shooting percentage of the league during that season. So even looking at relative true shooting, like Jalen Williams has the, the fourth highest adjusted true shooting in my sample. In my mind, he's more of a two guard. I talked a little bit about this at the top, but I, I guess he's more of a wing, right? When he plays with SGA and Josh Giddy, probably more of the three on offense. You know, looking at wings, he's actually a lot like, say, Franz Wagner in terms of a statistical profile. 
Um, but I actually think the guard comparisons are a little bit more interesting, if not a little bit more difficult. So he does take some threes and he gets to the rim and into the paint at a high level. He scores efficiently from everywhere. He gets some rebounds, some assists, some steals. He just does like a little bit of everything and does it all pretty efficiently. In terms of a shot profile, he takes more than 60% of his shots in the paint. So he's 72% uh, field goal percentage at the rim, which is pretty good. 44% from floater range, also pretty good, like really good, especially for more of a guard slash wing type. And 35% from three. That's okay. All right, Vol three-point volume is relatively low. We'll get to that. Um, another player in my sample who has a pretty similar profile right, in terms of like where he gets his shots and how efficient is actually Jalen Brunson. So Jalen Brunson took 45% of his shots in the paint. That's a little bit less uh, than the 60 Jalen Williams has. Um, but he shot 71% at the rim compared to 72% for Williams, 44% from floater range, exactly the same as Williams, and 35% from three, also exactly the same as Williams. Totally different players, right, in terms of size, offensive role. But even as a rookie, Jalen Brunson was excellent at finishing in and around the hoop and had a decent three ball. Like Jalen Williams is the exact same, but with more of his shots coming around the rim. Unsurprisingly, Jalen Brunson got more assists and fewer rebounds than Jalen Williams. Usage rates, turnover rates, free throw attempt rate, three-point attempt rate, below league average, and all similar to, to Jalen Brunson. So low turnovers, doesn't uh, get to the line that much, although it's not that bad. Doesn't shoot threes that much, but he does shoot them some. All of that is extremely similar to Jalen Brunson's offensive kind of shot profile. Another player that really stuck out in the comparisons, but is a huge draft bus, and Jalen Williams is probably one of the best players in this class, is, well, I'll get there. Hold, hold on. In terms of rebound rate, steal rate, block rate, turnover rate, usage rate, free throw attempt rate, percentage of shots at the rim, in the paint, from three, all of them are nearly identical to former number six overall pick, Jarrett Culver. The difference? Culver didn't finish or score effectively from anywhere, and Williams does it from everywhere. For example, Jarrett Culver was below 30% from everywhere outside of three feet, right? Below 30%. And Jalen Williams, of course, like I said, over 40% uh, in total away from the rim. So no matter where you're at, away from the rim is, you know, around 40% or better. 35% from three, a little, little better as, you get, as it gets closer. So at the rim, Jarrett Culver was only 58%, which is pretty bad. And Jalen Williams, 72%. So in terms of like the way they play, their role in the offense, all of it was almost identical, except that Jalen Williams is good, right? And basically, he's everything that Jared Culver was kind of supposed to be, but clearly, you know, wasn't. Going to the 14th pick, right? So Ochai Agbaji. Um, he's the final lottery pick that I have labeled as a guard. He is a very extreme player. So extremely low usage, extremely low assist rate, extremely low steal rate, extremely low percentage of shots at the rim, and extremely low self-creation rates. He has extremely high three-point attempt rates. So 63% of his shots so far this season have come from three, where he makes makes it a pretty good clip, right? 38%. In fact, he has, he has pretty good shooting percentages across the board, which puts his true shooting at over 58%. That's, uh, that's pretty strong in terms of my 77-player sample. He just appears to do almost nothing else. Like his closest comparison in all aspects is the number 14th pick the season before, Moses Moody. So nearly identical. If I go back a little bit further, Nick, Stous Nick Stauskas has a similar profile but was far less efficient 
especially inside the art, uh, the three-point art, um, with the exception that, you know, Agbaji basically only shoots threes and DeMar DeRozan never shot them. Those, some, some aspects of their profile is pretty similar there too, right? In terms of usage, turnovers, assists, rebounds, everything essentially, including their total uh, efficient efficiency above league average. Now, just a quick caveat here, like while I do have some things related to blocks and steals and rebounds, I'm not really looking too much into defensive metrics for two reasons. One, advanced defensive metrics just aren't that detailed and certainly not most of the ones that are publicly available. Though I do feel like a few of the all-in-one type metrics do a decent job at grouping good and poor defenders as in, you know, high in this metric means that you're probably a pretty good defender and low in that metric means you're probably a bad one. I think some of that can can work out fine but like for instance in Agbaji's case like going into the draft he was supposed to be a pretty solid defender like I saw some some comps to say like Danny Green right so long arms three and D guard it's pretty tough for me to measure that uh related to cards though like not having defensive stats maybe is not that much of a problem especially for guards uh at least not in the first couple of years although it may it may matter right in terms of having defense so poor that it prevents you from getting playing time, for instance. I do have a couple more guys I want to get at. None of them are quite as in-depth, except for I do have one one other that I'm going to go a little bit deeper into. But real quick, Malachi Branham, right? I don't have much on him. Like, he essentially never gets to the rim. He never gets to the line. He doesn't really shoot threes at a, at a high rate. Doesn't really create for others like most other never-get-to-the-rim type players. He does score relatively efficiently from most areas except from from three. Uh, Trey Mann, for instance, was a decent comp. More of like a mid-range Peyton Pritchard, I guess, was another. Uh, But not many players of note at that size with that kind of like statistical profile. But I can tell you it doesn't look that great. Christian Brown, another extremely low usage. Only Dyson Daniels has a lower usage rate. But he's pretty efficient at all three levels. And he also gets after the rim. So 60% of his shot attempts are in the paint. 60% of those are assisted, which is a pretty high number. And it's kind of telling me that, you know, he's getting a lot of shots off cuts and dives, which considering the kind of big guy that he's got passing to him right over in Denver, uh, that makes a lot of sense. He's, he's pretty unique from a, from a profile perspective, given that low usage. The only guys I really was able to kind of come up with are guys that I've already discussed, right? So similar to Josh Kogi a little bit, Jared Culver, but better. Again, DeMar DeRozan with three ball. Like none of these are really perfect, perfect comps. Andrew Nimhard as another. Now, remember, this is almost certainly comparing offensive games, but he's pretty similar to Drew Holiday's rookie season and Trey Burke. Now, <laughs> if you're like me, you're probably like Drew Holiday and Trey Burke are totally different players. I think that's true. But when looking at their statistical profile, pretty similar and pretty similar to Andrew Nimhard. They, they all have like good, but not great assist rates. They all have relatively low usage. They never get to the free throw line. And again, I'm talking about like as a as a rookie. So Drew Holiday, obviously his his game has changed quite a bit since then. But as a rookie, similar to Nimhard, never got to the free throw line, low usage, etc. But all of them were pretty efficient at, at all levels. So kind of at the rim, like pretty good. Uh, from three, pretty good. The best comp, though, is really fellow early second round pick, Jalen Brunson, another guy who I've already comped once before. He shoots a bit more threes. Uh, but overall, they're extremely similar. And I can tell you, having watched a lot of Jalen Brunson in Dallas, 
and a little bit of Andrew Nimhard. Uh, this seems pretty fitting, especially given how both were coached by Rick Carl- Carlisle and kind of what he expects from young and rookie guards. He's historically relatively tough on them, uh, but I think has maybe softened on that a little bit and certainly gave Jalen Brunson and Andrew Nimhard a chance to kind of go out and kind of prove what they can do. The last guy I'm going to get into today is a six foot four, 37th pick. So a lot of people know that he was a top five recruit. He went to the to the G League Ignite, kind of underwhelmed there, and his draft stock draft stock slipped all the way to 37. That's Jaden Hardy. So taken by the Mavs, who who actually didn't have a second round pick and traded two future seconds to get him. One knock, his minutes per game, right? So uh, he's been kind of up and down between the G League and uh, the big club. And when Luca was here and Spencer Dinwiddie, or when Luca and Kyrie were both active, uh, he really wasn't getting nearly as much run. He's starting to get a lot more now. Uh, but his 14.6 minutes per game kind of puts him in the, the bottom third of the guys that I'm looking at. Compared to most of the sample size, this is like still on the lower end. So it's a little bit of a grain of salt thing. Uh, but he's still, you know, he's got over a thousand minutes on the season and it was enough really to kind of fit my sample. So his closest comps that I came up with are two pretty different players, but also maybe not so different. And those are Anthony Edwards and Jordan Poole. So talking talking about distribution, right? Like all three have relatively high usage rates. Edwards and Hardy around 27%, Jordan Poole 21% as a rookie. All three had relatively low turnover rates. So between, between 10 and 12%, all three had kind of middling assist rates so three to four assists per 36 and a 15 percent or so assist rate so these are not necessarily guys who just only are looking for their shot they they can also um get some some assists um but they don't turn it over that much either so to me this is more about like positioning right like these guys are deployed as two guards and secondary creators so they're not normally the ones initiating the offense but they can uh and they get the ball put in their hands and asked to to go make a play sometimes that's scoring most of the time that's scoring uh, sometimes it's you know finding the open man. So I consider these guys like scoring guards, uh, but not not solely scoring guards, but not also not true point guards. And I think that's that kind of makes sense for both Poole and Edwards and Jaden Hardy. From a shooting perspective, per thirty six points, uh, per thirty six, twenty two points for for Ant and twenty two for Jaden Hardy. So very similar there. They draw foul, fouls around league average, which is. Again, I've already talked about it, but pretty tough for most rookies to do. They attempt three-pointers above league average rates. From a three-point attempt rate perspective, they take take about 30% of their shots at the rim, 13 to 14% from floater range. And as rookies, like both Edwards Hardy had relatively similar self-creation rates from two and three. So Ant did a little bit more off the dribble, but it's pretty close. The point is like the shot profile is nearly identical in terms of where they're getting their shots and how efficiently they uh, were making them there is one big difference though Jaden hardy is making 41 and a half percent of his threes that's pretty good like you know towards the top of like extremely good edwards was only 33 percent in his rookie year edwards better at finishing at the rim 65 percent field goal rate within three feet and Jaden hardy is only 53 percent so this is like towards the bottom of my sample like his finishing needs to get way way better but he gets to the rim that's a good thing now now he's got to finish it's also not uncommon for rim finishing to be kind of low as as players start out and then get better over time. I think some of that is probably adjusting to the the speed, but even more than that, the kind of the size of the players that they're playing against, especially those that are down low, sort of protecting the rim. 
And both, you know, like Edwards, Poole, and Hardy are decent size, but it's not like they're 6'6 six, six or 6'7. Six, I mean, Jaden Hardy is listed at 6'4. Sometimes to me, it looks even a little smaller than that on the court. James Harden, Kyle Lowry, Russell Westbrook, Darius Garland, Chris Paul, all of these were all of these guys are guys that were kind of in that same range as rookies in terms of finishing at the rim. So it's not again, it's not unheard of to struggle finishing at the rim early in your career. Defense and rebounding, like another difference is. Uh, Anthony Edwards was just stronger at getting blocks and creating steals than Jaden Hardy has been. So is Jaden Hardy Anthony Edwards? Like, no. But his game is pretty similar in terms of how and where he gets his shots. They're about the same size as well. Like, Edwards is a little bit stouter. But that's kind of the mold that Jaden Hardy, I think, is in based on sort of their rookie year stats. And so that's an exciting thing as a Mavericks fan. uh, And my team basically, you know, sort of sucking this last half of the season this is the one thing to kind of hang our hats on which uh you know is certainly not where we expect it to be so what do we think about their cards like so far to to no one's surprise like Paolo is sort of outselling the rest of the class it, today on april 3rd right there hasn't been many nba releases for this class especially not in pro uniforms there's been a couple none of the big time ones not a whole lot that's there to really measure and get a, what I would feel is like a really good sense for where they're at. But I did do a little bit. So after Paolo, you've got Chet and Shaden Sharp. And I want to look at cards with at least enough cost to offset some of the wonkiness, right? When you're talking about shipping. So I don't want to, I'm really not looking for like $5 cards to compare, you know, a $5 card with $5 shipping is way different than a $5 card with free shipping, right? There's a huge difference in terms of what the buyer actually was willing to pay. So I also wanted to look at cards with at least more than a few sales. So like preferably at least five, um, which is not that, it's not that much, um, but certainly more than one. So I'm only looking at pro unis and license releases as well. It's not ideal, but given the kind of the ridiculously late release dates for basketball, I pulled prices for Donruss Hollow Lasers out of 149 and Hoops Rookie Inc. Um, so I pulled most of this over the weekend, basically around March 31st. I have noticed though that prices are fluctuating wildly, right? So, uh, you know, a good week for a rookie can cause, can cause his prices to go up and a bad week can cause, cause it to go down pretty pretty extreme uh, on, on the pretty extreme side. If Palo's Hoops Rookie Inc. goes for about $350, to me, that I think that's a lot. And his Donner's Hollow Laser out of 149 goes for about 130. Jalen Williams, right? The first guard, in my list is about 40% of those costs. Here, I I would think, like, I, I guess I would ask, right? Is, would you pay two and a half times than Jalen Williams to get a Palo? Or do you think he's two and a half times more likely to have a better career than Jalen Williams? Like, I think certainly not. Now, maybe the better question is, is it two and a half times more likely that he's an upper tier superstar compared to Jalen Williams? Maybe. I think the answer there is maybe probably a little bit closer. For example, if Palo is like, I don't know, Let's say he's 20% likely to hit sort of peak potential and be a perennial kind of all NBA type player. And maybe if that taking that two and a half times uh, sort of equation, right? If we're talking say 8% or so for Jalen Williams, like maybe that feels about right. Uh, Shaden Sharp is hot on the heels of Jalen Williams, right? 39% of Palos costs the next four players. So six of the top eight most expensive rookies as of today are all wings and bigs. And then we get to Jaden Ivey, who's about a quarter of Palo's cost. 
And again, you know, I'm looking at this as if like if I had a hundred dollars spend, do I think Palo is more like four times more likely to provide opportunities for a big return than than Jaden Ivy? In this case, like for Ivy, I think actually probably yes. But in truth, the actual likelihood of either maybe actually seems extremely low in terms of comparing to a few recent rookie classes. And if you want to hear more on that, John and Nathaniel did a did a recent episode where they where they ranked the recent rookie classes. And uh, let's just say this this current class didn't do that great in their in their personal rankings. Looking at the bottom, right? So ten, we're talking like ten percent or less of Paolo's prices. You got guys like Dyson Daniels, Ochai Agbaji, Andrew Nimhard, Malachi Branham, and Christian Brown. So of the guys that I mentioned, like I don't know, maybe hold Nimhard and hope for a Jalen Brunson type rise. But surely there's a better use of time and resources. Like I'm not going out and buying any any of these guys really. That leaves only one player, Jaden Hardy. So I was pretty excited to kind of, after looking at his stat profile and sort of seeing what I what I saw, pretty excited to go out and look for some of his cards. Would it surprise you to know that like his prices are right in line with like Jaden Ivy? So essentially, like around twenty five percent of Paolo's prices. That that makes him like the eleventh highest selling rookie in the whole class, based on his statistical profile, right? Like I can kind of see why. But in truth, like I'm not sure I'm really looking to buy any of these guys' rookie cards, at least probably not all the way through the summer. I, I can't imagine that something's going to happen that's going to cause any of them to drop enough that uh, that I'd be that interested in. Maybe someone pops in the playoff or something, and if I had to buy a guy, I think it'd probably be Shaden Sharp or Jalen Williams or maybe Jaden Hardy. Uh, but at, honestly, I wouldn't call any of them a steal at this point. All right, so appreciate you kind of going through that with me. That's uh, that's what I wanted to share. I had a lot of fun putting this together. I always enjoy kind of digging into this stuff. If you have any questions or you know want to hear more or see more, like feel free to let me know. Otherwise, at some point in the future, I'll be dropping the same, a similar analysis, but for forwards and bigs and wings. So thank you very much. Have a good day.